there's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes that you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonobello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonobello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone. Permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonobella locations across the U.S. And right now you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked Working Professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. to the Razball Prospect Podcast, powered by Prospect Live. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. I'm here tonight, not with my usual co-partner, co-host, that would be Lance Brozdowski. He's taking a turkey day break, Thanksgiving day break. He's driven like halfway across the country to Connecticut from Chicago and then back. Instead, I brought in a couple of uh, my, uh, my colleagues from Prospect Live. One, my main man, Eddie Almagar, he's obviously been added to the Prospect Live roster recently. He's a big free agent signing. And then, of course, Matt Thompson, one of the founders of the site as well. Matt, Eddie, what's going on, guys? How are you? Doing all right, man. Hey, happy to be on here. Lance, I promise that you know, I'll be filling in real nice for you. Ralph, i got to call you out, man. Listen, you've already warned me you're going to mispronounce uh, some of the names coming up. <laughs> you can't mispronounce mine, bro. Come on. Did Eddie Almagar. Almagar. I'm not okay. sure what you said. <laughs> I said Almagar. I'm, I'm I'm from Boston, dude. I mean, you all gotta right. expect the gears and the gars. It's gonna it's gonna all blend together. I mean, all right, all I got, right. At least I got the syllable placement right. I think when Andy was on, yeah, Andy right. so on the show, I think that was completely incorrect. <laughs> I want to know. I, my heart skipped a beat for a second when I went fuck. I'm gonna totally butcher his name right now. It's gonna sound <laughs> bad. 
It, it, it's gonna sound. It's gonna sound like when the mayor of Boston like called like Adam Benetieri Adam Veritek. You know, it's just. Uh, <laughs> oh God. It's just, it just. It just didn't look good. Um, he's, he got reelected until he died, so uh, it didn't hurt him that much. But hopefully, this doesn't hurt me that much. Eddie, what's going on, man? I'm glad that you're uh, here joining us, dude. Yeah, no, it's 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 a blast uh, chatting with you guys, and always been a fan of you guys, and finally happy to be on the team and. To kind of carry on the rep- reputation that you guys have put forth in the prospect world, and I promise them to keep it going. We got our, we got our new cleanup. We got our new cleanup hitter for Prospect Slide. Kind of <laughs> need to hit 30 home runs and not get 100 runs this year, Eddie. So. Yeah, it's a rum Cuban, bro. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but Lance, man, it, it takes two of us to replace Lance, so that's, that should mean something. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Replace. Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not no, so no. Sure. Fill in. Fill in. Fill in. Fill in. We don't want to scare anybody. No. You know, man. I've already lost. I've already lost one host. It would be like my annual host. <laughs> host replacement. Uh, Lance is gone. I, I killed Help. Help. Help oh, went into man. hiding after he. He did. After he left the show. Big shout <laughs> out to Help. Want to write anymore? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I was talking to Help actually at Thanksgiving, but. Anyway, so we wanted to jump into some news here. Um, and uh, speaking of names, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher. This would be left-handed pitcher who's gonna be posted from Japan. That's Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi. Hopefully, I said that right. Eddie, did I did I say it right? I got that one yep. right. So yep. I'm much better with my with my Japanese names for some oh, strange naturally, reason. Naturally. Eddie, what are your thoughts on Kikuchi? What do you know about him? i got to be honest, I haven't dug in a lot. I've spent a lot of time in the Rockies, right in my top 30 right now. So I'm just thinking about Colorado. But <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> on Kikuchi, man? Uh, I mean, you know, we're going to start finding out a little bit more and more as, as the weeks pass by and as the bidding process officially opens in about a week and a half. Um, you know, lefty coming over. He's uh, 27, I believe, so he's still young. Um Below the mid-90s fastball, curveball, slider, and of course, like many Japanese pitchers, a splitter are on his arsenal, and they all grade about average or slightly better. Uh, so he's a really well-rounded uh, pitcher that's coming over. He's likely going to be, I would say maybe after Patrick Corbin, the most desirable free agent uh, in baseball. You can even make a case above Patrick Corbin because of the age and because he's not going to cost nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Um the questions, you know, was going to be what type of pitch is he going to be? You know, if you look back at his, uh, his numbers in Japan, uh, he has dealt with some durability issues, some shoulder problems in the past. Uh, but, for example, 2017, and in 187 innings, 197 ERA, .91 whip, 10K per nine, two walks per nine. 2018, diminished a little bit, three ERA, one, 103 whip. The, the strikeouts dropped from 10.4 to 8.4. The walks remained 2.5. So... I'm looking at someone who's not really going to come in and set the world on fire, like a Yu Darvish or a Tanaka, or certainly not an Otani, but um, someone who should be a pretty strong and reliable SP3 with some very brief flashes of SP2, simply because he's an unknown commodity to major league batters. Mm. All right, yeah, and see that's that's kind of interesting. I think you know. We obviously got a little bit of that, oh, some glimpses of that, not from necessarily a Japanese pitcher, but somebody that went overseas for a little bit in Miles Mikolos this year. And sometimes these guys, especially in redraft, with the uncertainty, there's just going to be owners they're going to stay away from, and it's going to you know, probably affect their ADP where they'll drop a little bit. Um, is that what you suspect to see with Kikuchi in drafts? 
So if you pull up um, Fantrax ADP, which is the most easily available one right now, he's actually going uh, just inside the top 300 as the 81st pitcher off the board. That's that's likely because news, you know, ADP works yeah. very, right. you know, it very slowly. So the news just hasn't really hit. I expect within the next month or so and into January, when I expect he'll be already signed to a team, his ADP ADP is gonna rise way up. I think it should maybe settle in the 160s overall, which is around the John Lester and Dallas Keikos of the world. But what will likely happen uh, is he'll probably push 120s, which is around Robbie Ray, East Castillo territory. So at that point, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. probably staying away if he's 120. If he drops after 160 into like the 200 range, um, that's probably where I'm most comfortable grabbing him. Eddie, would you agree, or, or are you grabbing him in that 120 range? I mean, how how bullish are you on Kikuchi? 120 range might might be a little bit uh, a little bit too aggressive. I, like if he was around 150s, 160s, I'm pouncing. Uh, I, because again, I think this is someone who really the only real question mark early question mark rather is his injury history it wasn't really until 2016 and he's been pitching since 2011 that he's able to been put a full uh full seasons under his belt again this is someone i think should be a solid all-around profile uh, the teams that want him are in parks that are pretty favorable Padres, uh dodgers um i'm in for him again because there's just something about having a pitcher come over that they're isn't much major league scouting to go off of, and he should have a strong, at the very least, a strong first half of the season. And then, as you know, as he faces teams twice or three times, you have to change it up. But I'm willing to bet that there's going to be he's going to have a strong debut, and I, I would certainly chase him in the 160s ADP more or less. Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you. We've heard a lot about what Eddie's thoughts are on Kikuchi. Yeah. I think you have a different way to pronounce his name, and. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know what do you expect to be his stat line and and sort of where you're comfortable drafting Kikuchi in drafts. I mean, obviously, we're very early in draft season. You know, by the time this is released, we're, we're pushing up on the first week of December or so. Um, we're still a month out from any drafts that probably have any, any meaning or any substance whatsoever. Free agent market isn't really, you know, all that, uh, all that saturated yet. But what are your thoughts at this point, Matt? I, Kikuchi. You, you say Kikuchi, right? Is that the correct way? You say Kikuchi, I say Kikuchi. I say Kikuchi, you say uh, Kikuchi. <laughs> Kikuchi? No, but I don't know. I, I like him Kikuchi? because not to, not to steal what you said earlier before the show, Ralph, but I think, would you say, uh, the Dodgers righty, Kenta Maeda. I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation to look at maybe here. I, I, I see Kikuchi. It's hard for me to project anything higher than that are around, you know, nine strikeouts per nine, kind of the two and a half to three walks per nine kind of guy. I think he's going to be what Eddie said, a standard number three. Um, I'm always, I always kind of like to throw out the first year of stats when you in a dynasty format with somebody like this too, because you got to remember he throws once a week in Japan. Uh, he's got to have to get used to that. It's kind of like a college schedule. Um, he throws once a week in Japan. Major league rotation, you're going to be asked to throw once every five days, so that is a difference, you know. It's mm. durability is a concern. Obviously, when Eddie touched on the brief injuries that Kikuchi has had, um, I just want to get in a in a first year player draft ranking list. This is, I guess, obviously a case by case basis depending on where your team is at in the competitive window. 
if you're a competitive team and you have a top three pick, Ralph or Eddie, do you guys take Kikuchi? Because I think I do. I, yeah, I think I think take him whether you're in a win now or win later. I think he's a clear number one. No really? Way. Yeah. So, so you take him. You take him over. You know any of the or, potential bats you yeah. got. You know even if you're a few years away, but you have a rebuilding yeah. team. Yeah. You're taking Kikuchi off over all those guys. I don't know. I don't I know. I don't know Eddie. if I do that. I think I'm with that. Yeah, I don't know if I do that. I, I understand that you have like the the clear cut value now, but I think he's a high say, floor guy too. If that makes sense. But let's yeah, say he turns into Kenta Maeda and you pass in a guy like Jonathan India, and you know, in two years, three years right. down the road, you know, he has you know legitimate, you know, borderline star value. Um, yeah, but, but I don't know. But I think I pick myself on that. You're. I, I, that's, I think you're kind of giving our, you know, weight to our, our argument. And Kenta Maeda right. I mean, he just finished a year sure. where he had a 29% strikeout rate. And the only reason he's not pitching a lot was because he got shifted to the bullpen because the Dodgers do some real funky stuff with their rotation. So Kenta Kenta Maeda, they didn't have exactly. any bullpen. Yeah. So it's, you know, if Kenta Maeda can pitch 160 innings with, of that, then, then yes, even more so, I would definitely take Kikuchi number one. Yeah. Well, and then I guess, I guess you know what what I was kind of hinting at without trying to throw out too much hyperbole, but you know you look at the profile of a guy like India or even you know Alec Baum for that matter, though I know he's not in vogue to be high on at this moment. Um, those guys over the last you know ten years, you know high upside, high drafted corner infielders, infielders from the college ranks, historically over the last ten years, those guys turn into top thirty hitters. I mean, talking Alex Bregman recently, you know, you're talking um, Andrew Benintendi, Chris Bryant, the no, lot always. and I'm only I'm only throwing a handful. Anthony Rendon, go, I mean, you go back pretty much to Ryan Zimmerman. If you look at third baseman taken inside the top ten, it is. Uh, I think the worst of that group is like Pedro Alvarez, and I don't think anybody would compare Jonathan India to Alvarez. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that you're buying the short term there, and I get it. But it's just I don't know I, I always I always go with a guy like I would always go with a guy like India. Okay, would you take? Um, I, I can see take, I can see the argument over Gorman. That's what um, my question depending was. On, depending upon what you know your your team construct was, if you're a win now or you're pretty pretty close and you need um, a rotation piece, I think I, I understand it because I'm not one to necessarily want to pay you know in trade for a premium starter or even a guy that's kind of mid tier where you might have to overpay. Um, so I see the value there, but I don't know. I mean, it could backfire too. I mean, there's, and you got to look at this guy too. This is without, I mean, we'll get some clarity in about what, three, four <laughs> weeks on where we know where he's going to be at. Sure. Uh, but I mean, Eddie touched on, well, San Diego, uh, I know Texas is going to be interested. You don't really want him going there. Uh, Seattle always has interest in Asian players when they come over. Um, the Giants. The Cardinals are going to dabble in that market. Uh, obviously, the Yankees teams might be in there too. I think a lot of his value is going to come with with where he lands, and hopefully, your draft is after he signs because it's going to change a lot. I know that's the easy cop out answer, but it's honest truth. It's going to very much depend on where he is. And I think if he's with the if he ends up with the Dodgers, I think I downgrade him a little bit in redraft forms because, it's like what he mentioned earlier, they do some weird stuff with their pitchers, not named Kershaw. So. Yeah. You know, and any pitcher that goes for anybody, like Rich Hill and redraft anybody like that. I've always downgraded the Dodgers because they do goofy stuff if they're not the ace. But yeah, I, th- I think it's just it's just a matter of your if you're far away in a contention, far away from a contention window, you're 
I think you take the, the known commodity now, mm. hope he does well, and then and then really flip him for some good stuff once he's proven himself. And then worst case, you just have a solid pitcher. I that's for me. Uh, uh, okay. Bottom line, if you want some me, I think off the top projection, I'd say like a three six ERA, one one five WHIP. 145 strikeouts in 160 innings. Is it, Matt made a good point about yeah, the, the, the pitching uh, differences in the schedules. I don't think he's going to reach that many innings, partially because of previous injury injury history, partially because they want to make sure they don't overwork him in the new you know American rotation. So 160 innings, which isn't too detrimental nowadays, given how the game is shaping up. Especially so, if you go somewhere like San Diego, he's, he could definitely get babied because they're not going to be contenders this year, but they could be down the line. So. And, and you're and you're telling me for a guy with that that pitching line at 27, 28 years old, you're gonna trade a one of your top hitting prospects in your system, like as a dynasty owner, you're gonna trade in India for him or Gorman. Yeah, I think I do. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I wouldn't. I I just I'm not in the business of trading for arms like that. And especially I'm not sold with, on this draft. This and, draft and I don't know. I don't know. See, I think there's a lot of guys in this draft. There is. There's a lot of guys in this draft. And be like, wow, this was a it was a relatively loaded. It, it, it's a deep draft, draft, but there's no. Deep, I don't know. Right. But I'm fine with that. I think there's a lot of good ball players. There's just no clear cut like you know. There's no. Uh, there's no Bryce Harper, you know. There's nobody like that that just is like clear cut ahead of the rest of the class. But 2015 was like that, and there's a lot of good players in the 2015 draft. And I don't, I think I see some similarities. But anyway, we're gonna hang up on this for too long. That's my feelings on Kikuchi. He could potentially go really, really early. There's a lot of value. He's a potential consideration at one in your first year player drafts. I think that's pretty clear cut, even if he's not mine. I want to jump into a little bit of. Uh, the AFL wrap-up, I think I talked yeah. a little bit of this with Lance last week, but I just thought it would be interesting to get your take, a couple outside perspectives. We talk a lot about it on the show. We've had JP on for a couple of weeks uh, throughout the AFL season to kind of give us some first-hand updates. But um, I was interested to hear your your perspective, uh, Eddie, on you know who the, who the guys were that you thought – you know, sort of stuck out. Obviously, you know, Keston he, uh, Heria are going to steal him. You can't use him. Was, of course, the MVP of the league. Uh, Tyler Nevin won the slash line, uh, triple crown. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, as I was uh, sort of researching Nevin today, I didn't realize that he actually – I knew he won the batting title. I didn't realize he actually had the uh, highest on base percentage and slugging. But really good performance for him. Um, but who do you think gained the most in your eyes – uh, over the course of the the Arizona Fall League, um, you know, I, I was kind of going through the batters who had the strongest season, and I think for me, I might actually want to change it to a pitcher, and it's someone that I'm finding myself, and I don't know if it's just that I've 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 gotten to know the Martin system a little bit, or or just I, the numbers just keep popping up at me. It's uh, Jordan Yamamoto. It's someone who, who who continually keeps pitching well no matter where he's at. Uh, to kind of recap his AFL numbers, six starts, uh, 26 innings, 208 ERA, 27 strikeouts with just over a strikeout an inning, uh, 13 walks. You know, can improve a little bit there, uh, and then just just six earned runs, no home runs allowed, 108 WHIP. You know, he's someone that he it's it's slowly trudging along, uh, and it's not about it's not so much about what he did at in the AFL, which is impressive given the talent that's there. It's more so what he's just continued doing. It's, it, it, he's carried over his 2018 season where he he finished with a, if I'm looking here, a 183 RA in 68 innings. 
you know. So it's it's, and I get it. SP5 is what people are labeling him as. He's only he's six feet tall. He throws in the low 90s, but he he can hit all four quadrants. And for me, he's just gonna continue pitching well until you just stop and realize, well, you know, he does he didn't have the pedigree, but god damn it, he's just doing well. So I like him. Mm. You know, so that's what it is for me. It was, it was nice seeing someone who, when faced with uh, what should be a, a decent challenge in the AFL, lived up to it. And I know he's still overlooked, and I know the stuff isn't quite there as you would want from one, uh, you know, a mid, even a mid rotation pitcher maybe. But I'm just gonna kind of hang back, and I'm admiring him from afar, and but giving him his props because I, I don't think he gets much, if any. Yeah, and he's always thrown all of his pitches for strikes. Um, he's had three, you know, average or better pitches. Um, he's got feel for everything. Uh, he's an interesting guy. I liked him a lot actually, like. A year and a half ago, when he was in like the the, the Milwaukee system, and he first kind of broke through with with some good uh, numbers in the lower minors. But once again, as you said, he's a short righty. He was easy to dismiss. Didn't have big stuff. Um, I think the only Rick really intriguing, like kind of interesting thing about him, it seems like in every scouting report you read, was like the fact that he went to St. Louis High School in Honolulu, which is like famous uh, high school in Hawaii, which is actually like where Marcus Mariota Marcus went. Mariota, but, yeah, yeah, I, I love. I love Yamamoto, so I'm I'm totally behind that one. I like that um, pick. I like that. Yeah, and I'm, that was a, a great pick, Eddie. Of course. To put it to put on to put on my my grandfather's put on my grandpa's baseball watching hat. Yamamoto is a guy that just competes. Yeah, he competes, right? right? He's right. I, mean, I, know not, I know that's not what you come to Prospects Live to listen to, as we tell you. Oh, he competes and he's a gamer well, and all that, but it, he really is in this sense, and it, that's a good way to describe Yamamoto, like. And he he's got a deep arsenal, four pitches he can throw for strikes, and that's until he stops he, doing it. I'm gonna keep liking him. So right, give him a reason not to. When he's right, he's put up numbers everywhere, and he's got you have no reason not to trust that he's gonna keep doing it. Yeah, I I I, I completely agree. Um, he's a great pick, and he's a guy that actually I think did raise his stock uh, in a lot of regards, whether it's in our world and fantasy. Uh, or, or just in terms of like prospect status, I think he's at least in the conversation now. Um, and even if that results in, in a, a bump in a couple of uh, spots on a prospect list or something, I think it's well deserved. And, and if I if I believe if I believe I'm correct, I think he was added to the 40 man roster, so he yeah. has an opportunity to uh, maybe need see some fit. time, particularly in Miami, where it seems like they might actually have some opportunities yeah. for Yomoto to break through. It's a good ballpark. Um, you know, there's some decent teams, some teams in the rise in the division. I guess we could see what could happen, but some bad teams too. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's kind of uh, a fringe, interesting guy as well. Um, I'm gonna kick it over to you now, Matt. Who, uh, who do you feel had the biggest bump uh, from a strong AFL? Well, I don't want to give one guy. We're gonna talk about it a little bit later. Uh, he's on one of your lists, Ralph. So we'll get to him in a second. I, I've been the driver of the. I'll find another one. You can dig right in. No, no. I'm not going to do that. We'll, we'll touch on him later. He had a really good fall league. We'll get to it. Go ahead uh, and cock me. In my, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. In my, in my own personal preference, I think Luis Robert was impressed. Luis Robert, I'm sorry, was, uh, was impressive <laughs> physically. You, Lance is here in spirit because Lance cannot yeah. say Louis Robert. He cannot say Luis Robert. He, he has to say Robert and, and then he corrects himself. Had, this is dope. I had a lot of questions about Robert uh, because we, me, you, you and I, Ralph, we talked earlier this about the on the AFL preview about how he, you know, he's he's this power hitter. has He has this all around offensive game. He hasn't hit for power. He hit for some power in Arizona, so that was good to see. Um, but 
another guy I want to touch on is Will Craig. Um, zombie prospect Will Craig. He's back from the dead. Um, showing some of that power. Looks like a complete rework to swing. Got a nice plate approach as well. Maybe he's finally finally starting to hit with some wood bats. I know he struggled out of Wake Forest doing that, and mm-hmm. hopefully that sticks. So I'm rooting for the kid, Will Craig. And uh, I don't think Josh Bell has as, as a firm of a grasp on that first base job in Pittsburgh as some people might think. He's not really producing either. So uh, they're going to want to get something out of this other first-round pick they got coming up here and Will Craig. So I, I'm, I, was, I was glad to see him hitting the ball a little bit too. Interesting. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go with another zombie prospect, a guy that I think is probably 2014, was a 2014 draft pick, Braxton Davidson. It seemed like he was completely off the radar for the last year and a half, but, you know, he had some big moments in the AFL. He slugged six homers, almost broke his ankle, or dramatically thought he broke his ankle. Um, But the numbers, you know, I guess they're okay from, like, a a Bobby Dahlback, like Matt uh, Chapman, Three true outcome sort of touchy feely kind of thing, but I don't know. I mean, he <laughs> he was absolutely nothing coming into the AFL, and uh, I guess now he at least uh, has to stand up and get acknowledged as like having some ability to hit homers. So um, well, I don't know if he I can guess, stand up. I guess right now. I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got him. Yeah. I actually yeah. think he can. I think I think they said it wasn't nearly as bad as uh, as he said. Right? He didn't actually break his ankle, did he? No, he uh, he sees her eye the worst of it. Yeah. All right. There you go. So he's probably standing up, but on crutches, or <laughs> with the with the help of a teammate. I don't know. But ah, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a big Braxton Davidson fan, so I don't really have much more to say. Quick, kinda, how, how, do you I know what his strikeout rate was? There. Do you know what his strikeout rate was in 121 games at high A this year? A, a league that he was repeating. It had to be at least 35 percent. Because about, it's Braxton what, Davidson. What's your, what's your guess, Matt? Thirty-two percent. So thirty-five percent was twenty seventeen. In twenty eighteen, he just needed to outdo himself, and he ended with a forty-four percent strikeout rate. Oh. <laughs> My he's goodness! Like, he's like Michael Geddes. He's like one of those guys I haven't even oh, looked at his stats. I love Michael Geddes. I still can't get over him. <laughs> he's, he's in Australia. <laughs> I'm holding my breath, following him every box score, hanging by win from win. I love that Davidson still walks at like a twelve to fifteen percent clip, though. Like he is, uh, he is the Braves' uh, less defensive Bobby Bobby Dahlback for sure. And that gives some there credibility is, uh, to what some similarities there. Gives some credibility to Jason's article about him struggling with the strike zone. Yeah, yeah. So every yeah. it looks like every just about everything is the strike zone except for the times that he doesn't swing at it. But um, yeah, you know. I'm not, I'm not advocating to go and add Braxton Davidson unless no, you're in like a, no. a deep 30-team league. Then go ahead and add away because there's probably not much left on your waiver wire or the wise. But who do you feel uh, – kind of changing su- subjects here. Who do you feel lost the most stock while at the AFL, if anyone lost anything at all? I'll, uh, I'll go with two guys. I lumped them together because they're both – Athletes with a little bit of questions about the hit tool, Esteban Florial and Khalil Lee, for me. Um, they both looked a little bit overmatched. Um, looking at the numbers right now, Khalil Lee hit 157 and, and slugged 229. I know it's only 21 game, 83 at-bat sample. Florial in the same 21 games hit 178 and slugged 260. So that's they don't ease any concerns I had about either one going into it. Um, I rate... Rated Khalil Lee as my number three guy in my Royal system, and I'm, I got yeah. some people saying I was a little bit down. 
Um, so I understand on that because the Royal system, there's a lot of guys that we all discussed and thought were interchangeable at the number one spot. Um, but Khalil's, Khalil's hit tool might be the thing that stops him from being like a three-war player as opposed to just a, 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 a good defensive starter. Yeah, okay. uh, I was going to say, Matt, uh, so two guys that I was looking at, Khalil Lee was one of them. Uh, yeah. And my, my other would be Andres Jimenez. And, but, you know, for me, it's it's like, okay, so how deep do I want to look into this? Uh, these guys all had like a 60, 70-something at-bat uh, sample, and they were they are both really young. I mean, I think they're both 20, correct? Uh, Jimenez yeah. and, and Lee. So it's, you know, to even be here is, is a statement within itself. But but I'm with you. You know, there would you would have wanted to see them excel a little bit and uh, maybe you know uh, outperform some expectations for some people that are for for some prospects that are so young in that league. Sure, uh, but but I do worry a little bit sometimes that we might be getting ahead of ourselves at least on Jimenez. And I and I say this as someone who sat next to Jason Woodell and saw Jimenez like lace an opposite field triple with authority. I love Jimenez. You know, I, I like Jimenez a lot too. And I, and I own him in a lot yeah. of places. I want him to succeed. It's just more of, you know, uh, is he ready to take that next step? Does he maybe need to marinate in double A uh, for a long time next year rather than kind of rush? They pushed him aggressively this year. It was his first season in full season ball. He played over what, 120, 130 games in total as a 20 year old this year. That's a lot of baseball. Yeah, uh, he looked. People, I wasn't there, so I can't speak of more. I was I did a hear little he, shocked. People said he looked worn down. He got the, uh, yeah, yeah, he got the assignment. So you know, hopefully that's just what it is. And I, I think the ceiling is higher than people think on him. Is I think he can hit 20 home runs. I think I'm in the minority on that. I like the swing. He gets got a lot of loft. He can run. I think he's a 2020 shortstop for in the fantasy game. That's that's a huge player. Um, so I, I do see your concerns. I, I give him a pass more than than the others in this list because I think he's pushed very, very aggressively, and it's kind of odd because it's not like the Mets haven't needed shortstop. That's actually one of the yeah. spots they don't really need. Yeah. Um, so, but, hey, if he's advanced enough and they think he can handle it, that's good. So. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of take a different turn here. I guess, I guess I'm like the contrarian host today. But um, I'm not going to beat up on the young guys so much because I feel like there were a handful of guys that I had really little to no expectations for going out there. Some of them were the younger guys like Jimenez. Um, you know, another one was Khalil Lee. I, I didn't expect Ooh. Lee to tear it up when he went out there. Right. Um, you know, and I and I kind of didn't expect a whole lot from Floreal. I was hoping he would show a little bit more, um, but it, it's not a shock. I think all those guys we knew had some flaws and it could definitely be exploited by... Um, the flaws stood you know, out some. So yeah, well, I, I think the one thing that you can give pitchers in the, the AFL credit for is they tend to be guys that are on the cusp of potentially, like, cracking the 40-man, maybe, you know, whether it's AAA or, you know, some some innings in MLB that they're kind of those fringe guys. So they tend to be 24, 25, 26 years old. So they're a little bit more like Wiley veteran. They have a little bit more feel for sort of the game, the strike zone, how to set guys up. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't shock me that he got beat up. The guys that do shock me a little bit are some of the more veteran hitters, the guys that we thought had more of a professional profile going in that didn't do well, especially guys like, you know, Josh Ockme, who I don't love. Um, I've, I've 
you know, kind of kind of knocked on Akami a lot. He's a great guy. He's a really good Twitter follow. But um, you know, I just think he's limited as a as a hitter and as a player. He he spent time in AAA and he wasn't like awful. Um, I'm a little shocked that he didn't he didn't hit better while I was out in Arizona. Um, that's a that's a pretty big knock. And, and the Red Sox actually didn't protect him on the 40 man. So I, I you know yeah. and it, that says a lot, um, especially when they have a platoon at first base. Obviously, they won the World Series that platoon, but still, it's a it's an older platoon at first base. Um, so I think I think he's a guy that got knocked a lot. The other guy that, if you want, Matt, we can have like a, a fun bonding session right now, and we can both kick the crap out of Pavin Smith. Pavin Smith it. was bad okay. while he was out there, and the reports from s- multiple sources were that he looked disinterested and was just like goofing around. You even saw it on like tape and like batting practice. He was like, remember those like crappy <laughs> swings that yeah, we caught on one of our videos? He was yeah. like up there like, like, oh man, like you would have thought that like, you know, I, he was just getting through the last couple of swings because his dad forced him to take a hundred swings every day, and he uh-huh. felt really good after ninety-seven. And dad said, "No, you got three more swings," and he just like took the three shittiest swings you've ever seen any professional baseball player taking batting practice. I am just not a Pavin Smith fan. I don't see him unlocking it. There are a lot of people who are still in this camp, and I, I get it. If you are, Eddie, are you are you uh, are you going to be the contrarian here on Pavin Smith? So I play in almost exclusively OBP leagues, and that yeah. that might be why he has the only slight appeal to me. But okay. you know, coming into this year, the question was, does he have the power? Does he have the power? And he finished with 11 in 120 games. So I'm, I'm not sure if he's <laughs> I don't know if he still answered that or not. And if we're looking at a 15 home run guy with you know a 340, 350, 360 OBP, he's mildly interesting as a corner infield in very deep leagues. And I, I, that's not much of a compliment. So I'm not, no. I'm not going out of my way to get, you know, oh, he's Smith waiver wire, he's waiver wire kind of guy. I, um, I want to see the, that video you guys were talking about. I want to see those swings. <laughs> he played. Go, go, uh, search it on Twitter. I, I, I promise you, you can find it. Right. I mean, I, I'm almost yeah. positive. It was, it, it was either one of our YouTube videos, but it I'm pretty Jason. sure it was one, one of, of the Jasons. One of the Jasons. I think, I think it was JP's. Yeah, one of the, JP had it, but he even played some outfield too. It's worth noting he did play some outfield in Arizona. Yeah. Well, the so, Phillies when they worked, well, the Phillies were, were considering him. I think when they took Hazley, I've, I've heard the uh, story. They had actually worked him out. Yeah. In the, in the outfield to see how yeah. he looked. Um, he's not like a, like complete zero athletically, but is he like a Mitch Moreland in the best a, case? Is that kind of what we're looking at with Pavin? Best case. I I, I think that uh, that's not much. Of, I mean. More yeah. than has a lot more power than Pavin. Yeah, I, think. I agreed. Similar value. Right now, yeah, yeah. I mean, like. if he, you know, if if he makes some tweaks and uh, commits himself to whatever and and figures something out, then certainly. I, I mean, I don't I don't see why he couldn't maybe get to there in terms of value being a, a solid uh, defensive first baseman with some offensive value. Whether it's the same exact profile tick for tack, I don't know, but. He might be able to get there in terms of like total, you know, game value. Um, he just needs to certainly tap into a little bit more power, or he has to hit for a lot of average, and he just really hasn't done that. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you: you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. 
This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Uh, in my opinion. So there we go. It's uh, We had the Brandon McKay update during the season, Lance and I, where every week we talked about whatever Brandon McKay did in the minor leagues because we're both fascinated by his journey. Um, this year, I guess we'll just do the Pavin Smith beat-up hour and we'll bring in uh, Matt or Lance because Lance won't beat up on Pavin Smith. So this is the first time in the show we've had multiple people kicking Pavin Smith while just, he's down. Uh, I'll, just record a segment, and I'll just record a, a two-minute, three-minute segment with you, Ralph. We'll just interject it into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that actually we'll works. Get our, that we'll get our own sponsors and everything. Here's the Pavin Smith Hour brought to you by Wonderland. I actually think we could probably get a sponsor to come on and do that, though. We would certainly get sued by, like, uh, Pavin Smith for, like, defamation of character or... Uh, I'm sure he's probably bigger than both of us, but... Uh, uh, definitely bigger than me. Yeah? Well, how, how tall are you? Uh, 5'11". Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. I'm 6 feet, so he's probably taller yeah. than I am, too. I like, I like to think I'm bigger and stronger than everybody, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm going to transition with that, that tidbit about my, uh, my personal feelings about my own size and invincibility... <laughs> With uh, a discussion of the top 100. Now, I'm going to yes. throw out a, 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 a qualifier here before we jump in here. Um, I thought this would really be an interesting discussion to kind of have. Just thinking sort of strategy-wise, I'm, I'm doing some, some startup drafts right now. The first of my first-year player drafts are starting over the next couple of weeks. Um, so I'm kind of in that mode. I'm thinking about my dynasty team. I'm thinking about the players are going to be drafting, which kind of, you know, Brings you into some research and start thinking about redraft as well. So I thought it would be interesting to sort of look at maybe some of the lists that, let's say, less well-versed folks might be looking at. Uh, before they get updated, I just figured I would pull the MLB uh, pipeline, top 100. They do great work. But it's obviously not a straight fantasy list. It's also not behind a paywall. So don't feel so bad pulling it off of the Internet and kind of reading from it. But I thought it would be an interesting exercise to sort of ask Eddie uh, as well as Matt, to kind of give me three different bullet points here. One being, uh, you know, what players do you sort of view on the list as sort of a slam dunk, or excuse me, not on the list as sort of a slam dunk top 100 prospect. With the foresight, knowing what you know now, here in late November, uh, I'll ask for a pitcher and for a hitter. I'm going to kick it over to Eddie first. I'm interested to know, you dug through this top 100. We'll mention it's a midseason top 100. But you ducked through it, and you had a really interesting pick, actually two picks here, that I think that on fantasy lists will probably show up as top 100s. But they're not going to probably be a consensus top 100 player, even in the updates on sort of your standard top 100 list with Baseball America uh, and, and Pipeline, maybe Baseball Prospectus because they'll think outside the box. But, Eddie, who is your hitter? Well, first hitter is Xavier Edwards, shortstop for the San Diego Padres, uh, recent draftee, 2017. And, you know, again, we mentioned them will be pipeline. This, is, this list is probably not even updated for this. You know, I know it's not updated for this upcoming spring, uh, but e- even then it's kind of stunning to not see him in that top 100. For mm-hmm. me, in, in, in the fantasy game, man, 
it's all about speed now. We're hitting just consistent uh, year lows in stolen bases uh, every year now. And Xavier Edwards, to me, represents the two things I love most now. Stolen bases, I think he's I think he, he's a, a legit 80-grade runner and an on-base guy as well. So, you know, he obviously only had, um, in rookie ball and short season ball, he only had 45 games I'm seeing here of exposure, of, of playing time. He stole 22 bases, only caught once, and he had a 453 OBP in 159 at-bats. This is someone who doesn't strike out often. He's, he walks more than he strikes out. And he can have uh, an average hit tool. So you got, again, let me reiterate, a shortstop with an average hit tool who can walk more than he strikes out, and he is an 80-grade runner. That is fantasy gold, and that's the guy I wish I had in a lot more places than I actually do right now. Yeah, I mean, you know that I'm high on Xavier Edwards. Um, I I wrote about him for the site. He was one of my first articles that I wrote for Prospects Live. Um, I have him top five now, depending upon the draft. I might even go a little bit higher. I try to draft him everywhere that I possibly could. And uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, for for folks that don't necessarily seek out um, fantasy first prospect content, he might go under the radar at least for the next few months, I think he could be a guy that you know. I don't. I don't know. How, I don't know if he ends up in the update and how high he ends up in the update. Because sometimes those guys, like it took him forever for them to really catch up on like Acuna and some of those guys. And I wonder if Edwards is one of those guys. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump to myself here, Matt. Before I kick it over to you, I'm gonna be a little bit selfish. And uh, one other name that I, I took from here, I wanted to take the low hanging fruit. As a guy that actually actually was absolutely stunning, and I think raised his uh, stock a lot while he was out there in the AFL, and that was Jazz Chisholm. He was a, a shuttle player, so I think he only played in like 10 or 11 games. Uh, but the numbers were tremendous. I'm not going to read them off for you right now. And he's a guy that you know struggled at points throughout the season, but overall had a really good year. And then once he got into those friendly confines of the Cal League, I mean, he just absolutely mashed. I think he finished the season with 25 homers between the Midwest League and the Cal League, he's got a chance uh, at Double A next year, and maybe even a little bit more. Um, and he's solid defensively. So I'm a I'm a big Jazz Chisholm guy. I'm shocked he's not in this list because I think for real life purposes, as a shortstop with the value he brings on both sides of the ball, uh, and for fantasy, he's got to be a slam dunk top 50 guy at this point. Um, Eddie, I'm going to kick it back to you for a second. How high do you think Jazz Chisholm should be? on fantasy top 100 lists uh, going into uh, 2019? You know, I, I've heard him called a potential superstar by a couple of people in the last few weeks. And one of them actually, uh, JP, Jason Panini with Prospects Live, our colleague. And I think he should be minimum, at worst, a top 75 guy in prospect lists. And he has the potential to be much higher but I understand there's some expectations that have to be tempered based on the walk rate, based, based on his approach right now. A lot of his success uh, last year in the Cal League was bad of inflated. So I want to see a little bit more, but my goodness, he is a quick twitch athlete who is kind of a freak, and I think he can be a 2020 guy with upside for more from there. Mm-hmm. So at worst, top 75. Uh, if you want to go higher, you can probably convince me. 
Yeah, I, I think I think he's top fifty, man. I'm I'm hammering. I'm definitely hammering Chisholm at this point because it's just there's there's so many there's so many boxes that he checks off that you know when a guy has a strong defensive profile like that, um, I think you know it it allows him to sort of push a little bit more. It's going to create some opportunities, and and I'm always about the long term thing. You look at a guy with a five year window. He may struggle in the first year or two. You don't give up on a guy like that. You let him get his at-bats. I really think that he could turn into a, a special hitter. And as you said, the 2020 upside is there. Um, and maybe a, a tick more, you know, depending upon the early years, maybe he steals a little bit more. Maybe the homers tick up a little bit. Um, he'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, in, in any of these guys, you got to chase shortstops, chase the athletes. That's typically what I do, especially if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drafting um, – prospects in, in dynasty leagues it seems like they retain the most value gain the most value uh you know i, I want to kick it back over to you matt i know we've been babbling long enough about our middle infield picks you oh. actually don't have a middle infielder as your guy so who is your guy that's not on this top 100 that you feel is a slam dunk top 100 hitter well real quick i've seen jazz a dozen times or so at king county and i i love the dude uh, he's going to be a fan favorite when he comes up. I think 50 to 65 range is where I probably will have him on my updated list, if not higher. Um, the one question mark is not the defensive abilities is short, but he sometimes he's a poor decision maker at shortstop from what I've seen. I'll tell you a story really quick. I, I was sitting in the scout section of a game. Uh, Diamondbacks personnel was sitting in front of me. Within earshot, I could kind of hear what they were saying. Always fun to pick up conversations like that, but – there's a double hit. There's a guy on uh, first base, double hit to the left field corner. Uh, Jazz obviously going out for the cutoff. The guy rounding third, I forget who it was, is a real speedy guy. He had about, Jazz caught the ball, and the dude was probably five feet away from home plate. What does Jazz do? Rifles, rifles it at home plate, trying to get the guy, and the, and the runner ends up going from second to third because the throw bounces away from the catcher. He probably should have knocked it down. The Diamondbacks person in front of me, that's just, mumbles something 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 along the lines of that's the stuff we need to hammer with this kid because he just he's he he knows he has the arm he knows he has the 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 athletic ability and the tools to get it done he just he needs to sharpen the decision making it short but he's going to be a dynamite athlete uh but on my list uh one of the top 100 guys i've run the catcher for the rays ronaldo hernandez uh who doesn't love 19 year old catchers 20 year old catchers with good plate skills and legitimately 20 25 homer power if he plays every day I mean, Hernandez is, again, I keep hopping on plate skills. Besides athleticism for middle infielders, and plate skills is one of the number one things you should be looking at in some of these prospects, especially down to the lower levels. Um, and Ronaldo Hernandez is, for my money, the best catching prospect outside of Danny Jansen in baseball right now. Might be a controversial take on that, but that's my where I sit. I like it. I'm going to kick it back to you. We're going we're gonna to sandwich up. We're going to double up on Thompson. Who's your pitcher? Who's your pitcher pick? Uh, I broke the rules a little bit. Uh, I don't have a pitcher pick. <laughs> no? No. I My other pick that I went from a fantasy angle that people are sleeping <laughs> on is Geraldo Perdomo, another Diamondback shortstop. Again, played skills, walking more than he struck out, had a big big season in the DSL last year, followed it up in 2018 with a strong season in the Arizona League, in the Pioneer League. Um Perdomo has his athletic, quick twitch guy. He's going to stick a shortstop again. Um, he's probably a better defender, skills wise, than Jazz, uh, which might push Jazz out to center field, second base, or whatever. Um, but Perdomo's got the better glove. Not quite as an exciting of a bat, but it's still 
probably a 15-15 guy with a good play skills and good good base for average. So Geraldo Perdomo is my guy. He broke the rules, yeah, but I really like his uh, his his walk rate, man, that he's shown yeah. in the short time he's been a professional. I, I mean, again, I like listen. I get hard for OBP, bro. So like yeah, when I see, no, you know, fourteen percent walk rates, you know, twenty percent, although that was very limited, so let me just ignore that. But just generally upwards of twelve, thirteen percent, you have my attention, especially when right. it comes with, you know, strikeout rates that are in the teens. And the defensive yeah. skills to stick up the middle. I mean, nothing not to love here. Yeah, that is not Jazz Chisholm who does not have uh strikeout rates. Uh he's a little bit over aggressive, Jazz. <laughs> Just a tad. It was a 32% while he was out in the Cal League, but uh, I'm going to ignore it for now. Ah, he was my pick. You know what? I'm going to be greedy. Eddie, I'm gonna, I'll let you go last. You went first a couple times already. Uh, I'm going to rant and rave about how much I like Corbin Martin, and uh, he's not on this list, and I'm a little bit shocked because I can understand it from a fantasy perspective because I, I don't know if he's – I think he's exciting. I think he's interesting, but he's not the most exciting at the most interesting arm for fantasy but for real life purposes especially with the way this list is and some of the arms that are on here like peter lambert is on here i would take corbin martin over peter lambert 10 times out of 10 easy and and it's the overall stuff he's got a really good fastball spin uh can challenge guys up in the zone he's got a, another variation two seam where he can throw low in the zone uh he's got two really good breaking balls uh the curveballs i was saying to eddie before the show almost supplements uh, as like a changeup. He has a changeup as well that he will throw. He will throw for strikes. It has some nice fade. Tunnels well with the fastball. Um, he, I like the arsenal. He's got four pitches he can throw for strikes. He's athletic. It seems like whatever issues he had at Texas A&M might have been rooted in bouncing back and forth between the pen and the starting rotation. He was really strong when he was in Alaska that, in that summer league and then the Cape the following summer. Struggled again when he went to uh, uh, Texas A&M um, for his junior year. And then as soon as he came into pro ball, you know, the Astros, based on his, his college record, were actually pretty aggressive. And when they signed him, I think they signed him a slot. And whatever they'd done, they seemed to just sort of figured out his mechanics. He's more online, repeats really well. He's got simple mechanics. He's athletic, um, fluid in his delivery, really good arm action. I think he can throw a lot of innings. I, I just think this guy is going to be like – I know we throw around the mid-rotation starter thing, but I think this guy's just going to be like the definition of a really, really good right-handed number three starter for like a decade. I, I love Martin, and I think he's going to give you some strikeouts. It's not going to be like 10, but he can give you, you know, mid-eights, somewhere in that range, you know, 25 26% uh, strikeout rate with like a 6% walk rate, uh, really good ERA. He's not going to give up a lot of hits and just eat a lot of innings. Now he's a pretty good guy, uh, especially when you, if you're if you're doing any startup dynasty drafts or any new prospect drafts. He's someone that I think his arrow's taken up, but no one really realizes it's taken up just yet. So yeah, yeah. kind of in and reap those rewards once he has uh, even more exposure next year, once he makes a jump to AAA next year. Which for some reason I feel like in, in, in with the Astros they don't get noticed until they're in AAA if, if your name's not forced. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and everyone loves Rogiello Armenteros, but he's not somebody that I'm personally in love with. But we don't need to get into that at this moment. Probably Rogelio. You know Is it Rogelio? I'm pretty sure it's Rogelio. God damn it. I'm, uh, here I am, butchering. I'm, I'm, butchering. I, listen, I'm a names guy. I'm a names guy, you know. As, uh, as someone I'm whose last name names. has been wrecked his whole life, I'm a names guy. My, uh, my, my actual, my real name gets butchered. 
butchered. <laughs> it's not Ralph Lipschitz, so my real name gets butchered. But um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I I should know that. I should know that's Rogelio. Why why would it why would it be a a hard G? It shouldn't be a hard G. I mean, come on. I took Spanish for like ten years. I should know this. But Eddie. Uh, forgive me. I'm gonna kick it back to you. Matt. Matt texted me. He, he's now gonna pick him, but I'm not gonna let him cut in line. Oh, Eddie, you're no. not gonna go last. <laughs> Who is your arm? Who is your arm that's off this list that you think is a slam dunk top 100 guy? For me, it's Blue Jays righty Eric Pardino. Uh, my goodness, I feel like he did not get the props that he deserved this year. Let me let me just kind of put the context here. He's a 17-year-old uh, Brazilian-born righty, highest-paid prospect ever from Brazil. Fun fact: He spent the year not not got not promoted at the end of it, not midseason. He spent the year was assigned to the Appy League at the young, tender age of 17. This is a mm. league that the that the overall average age is just a shade over 20. That's that's he's pitching against guys that are on average three years older than he is. And his numbers, he finished with, uh, uh, looking here, in 11 starts, 50 innings. So, of course, he was babied a little bit. Um, 288 ERA, 11.5 uh, K per nine, 2.8 walks per nine, uh, and induced ground balls, which is another big bonus, 46%. To me, he has a, a, an average to potentially plus fastball that sits in 91, 93, and he complements it with a change in a slider. And his curveball might be his best secondary. I think if Lash is plus already, he's just someone that is so advanced. I think he even had a relief appearance in the World Baseball Classic for Brazil as a 15-year-old. That's yeah, it, 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 it's insane. So this guy's use. This guy knows what it's like to pitch against dudes that are older than him. And he's still he's still 17, man. He's still 17. So he doesn't turn 18 until January, five days into the new year. Born in 2001, if you want to feel a little old there. The 2001 there. birthday kills me. Yeah, so uh, it, listen, <laughs> I, I wish, uh, you know, one of my dreams is to see him start the I, I year in, in, in Lansing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, so you're twice his dude's age, bro. So I, I wish he would start the year <laughs> in the Midwest League. He'll likely start the year in short season, then move to the Midwest League. But man, uh, he's going to rise up, man. He's going to rise up. And I know, look, I, and I get it. The caveat with him, if you're wondering, is he's 5'10. He's like 160. So his size, and he's a righty. You know, he's on a lefty. So the size is a huge detriment of why scouts aren't all over him yet. But so far, so good. He's very advanced for his age, and he has good uh, uh, command of, of his pitches and kind of knows what he's trying to do out there. Which, again, man, for 17, that's pretty damn impressive. I have to agree. All right, Matt, late with your homework. You can't get anything higher than a B minus. So go ahead and get a well, C plus to B minus. Well, who, who first of all, to, to paint the picture, if you guys can't see Eddie right now, but he's smoking a cigarette now after talking about Pardino. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's smoking his long, glorious Cuban. Yeah, yeah. The thing with D.L. Hall, who's my pick, though, uh, Baltimore Oriole pitching prospect is weird, but they're, they're going through a regime change and they haven't had produced a good pitching prospect in the better part of a decade now. Uh, but D.L. Hall has two plus pitches in the fastball and the curveball, the above average changeup. The command should flash above average at, at peak. Uh, he's an athletic kid, so I think he's going to find it. Right now, he walks too many guys, just straight out walks too many guys. But he misses bats. I know Ralph wrote about him in our you know team previews. For, for prospects live, and I'm pretty certain you are a fan of D.L. Hall as well. I think there's a lot to love here. 
Um, he's going to move slowly through the system. That's one thing that you need to know if you if you decide to invest on Hall. He's going to move slowly, probably level by level, but it should be worth it. Give you a nice solid mid-rotation arm in the American League East, which is quite a compliment. I know he finished the year really, really strong, right? Like I think I'm looking yes. now. His last eight games started, 32% strike off rate, command. Uh, 1-1-3 ERA. Yeah, no, he he was he was nails to finish the year. Yeah, I watched a couple of those starts, and then and then I went back and watched a couple of them as I was doing my Baltimore write up. Um, I, I like I, as I do these write ups, I like kind of fall in love with these teams a little bit. Um, so I'm way higher on the Baltimore Orioles top thirty than anybody else. Tip for the Nationals. I, own that time I, I, I did not, I did not like writing the Nationals up. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going down to Jupiter this, uh, this uh, spring to try to fall in love with the Nationals uh, system. We'll see. But I feel, I feel like um, the Diamondbacks are becoming my second team because really? I wrote their system up and I, that I get to see that their minor league team is closest to me. So I watch other games coming up and it's so I feel like a, it's, becoming my number two. It's a little front, it's a little front runnerish, but I'm feeling that way about the Astros. But uh, but but what I was saying was like with Hall, what I started to notice, and if you, I like to dig into the with every pitcher I write up, I like to dig into the the baseball reference like game logs. If you go on the the back end, like their 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 splits and their game logs, and they have strikes looking and they have swinging strikes listed and they have them tallied up. I don't know how precise they are, but it was interesting as you as you saw as the year went on. He was getting double digit like swinging strikes and yeah, strikes looking consistently later on in the season, that's uh, and that's not something he had early on. So that shows that he was he was stealing some strikes, showing more control, and then also you know getting guys to swing and miss a lot more too, which is uh, a nice combination to have. So good pick, late homework. I guess I'll bump it up to a B plus because you were late, but uh, it would have been an A plus. So you could tell your ten percent off the top be, for being tardy. You, I get it. You could be you could be an A student, but you're not. So <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to you to buy Matt some time to 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 fudge another pick here. I don't need um, any more picks. I, I got them. I kid. Uh, Eddie, who is your uh, who is your guy that's maybe on this list that you feel is maybe overrated by the media at large? For me, it might be Colton Welker. And I know it's almost sacrilege. I know he was a big, you know, big uh, 2017 no. guy. Uh, that one hurts. That one hurts. I know. You know, for me, it's just I haven't really seen. I'm not a big believer in in the power that it, I've seen. I've seen some rare. It's not the case, but some rare plus power grades on him, and I, I just don't see. I see average at best, and I don't think the hit tools gonna get there for him. And I know if you go to his, his you know, to his Fangraphs page, for example, you're gonna be like, but Eddie. You know, he hit 333, 383, 49, and the year before that, his OPS was almost 900. Not, you know, but look at where he's playing, man, and look at look at the batting average for balls in play. It's nearly 400 the last two years. That's not sustainable. And the fact that, to me, I know we like to ding uh, uh, Rockies prospects for playing in Lancaster, and rightfully so. Yep. It is a ridiculous yep. band bo- uh, band box, but. I think it's, I think it's fair to also ding him for not doing for not doing well enough. You know, this past well, year he spent the entire year uh, in Lancaster. You know, 13 home runs. I was kind of unimpressed. Uh, five steals. What's he really offering? And if this is coming from a third baseman, that's just not going. That bat is not going to carry that position. And to me, I'm just I'm out on him. Yeah, let me let me add because I just uh, I was writing up Welker like three hours ago before we started recording this and. Uh, I actually have all the stats in front of me because I have the I have the post in front of me. I, I dug in. I always write a couple paragraphs in these guys, and uh, I pulled up the slash line. And it was one of the reasons that I actually have Tyler Nevin at three 
and Welker at four is I think I think Nevin's more ready. I like Nevin's swing a little bit more. I think his approach is better. I think his his power is more natural, and he had less of an adjustment away from the hangar in Lancaster. That's actually the name of their ballpark there in Lancaster is the hangar. So in fact, it's very appropriate. I think they know. Um, and his splits weren't that weren't that different. I think the power was down a little bit, but his batting average was actually better away from the hangar than it was there. It was like in the three thirties, both places. I mean, Tyler Nevin was like unbelievable this year, but, uh, Welker's numbers at the hangar slash line, three seventy six, four nineteen, five seventy two. So you see sort of that lack of approach that over aggressiveness is similar to what we saw in Brendan Rogers at the beginning of 2017, before he was first promoted to Hartford. I wrote about that as well today, because I actually saw the tail end of that 2017 season firsthand. Um, his numbers away from the hangar, 289, 345, 404. So he was almost like a different hitter. He was more passive, it seemed. Uh, it was almost like he knew he wasn't going to be able to drive the ball as much. He's a very average power hitter. He's essentially what, um, you know, Pavin Smith kind of is. Oh, Will Craig was a year. Well, Will Craig was a year and a half ago while he was still in Bradenton, where he's like this, 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 Corner infield guy with a decent, you know, batting average. Not stellar, but decent. Decent on-base percentage. Not stellar, but decent. And he kind of hovers around that 400 mark for slugging. And that's not great. So I kind of agree with you. He's young, though. He started the season as a 20-year-old. I don't want to write him off. But I do think that uh, a lot of us were too high on him, myself included. I had him inside the top 75 coming into 2018. And uh, I think that was probably overly aggressive. That was probably my bad. So uh, I'll take. I'll, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take some. Uh, I'm gonna take some responsibility for that. So uh, I'll kick it over to you, Matt. Who do you feel is one hitter that's uh, on this list that is overrated by the media, by the fake news media? Esteban <laughs> Florial. I know you're shocked that a Yankees prospect might be overhyped by the media, but. Jason Waddell is coming through his uh, stereo right now, and he's going to strangle you, bro. Hey, for every high guy, for every guy that's high on Florial, there's got to be a low guy, and I'm very much the low guy. Um, All right. I don't see the hit tool turning into a usable tool, and if it doesn't turn into a usable tool, I don't think he's good enough anywhere else to be the top 30 prospect I see that he is on a lot of these lists in fantasy. I, I don't see it. Um, I, I don't. I don't think the bat. He's going to be prolonged. He's going to be extremely vulnerable to prolong ups and downs. If the hit tool doesn't develop, I mean, he's looking at a projected 30% strikeout rate or so at the major leagues if he keeps trending the way he's going. Uh, I was hoping he would perform a little better in the AFL as it's like the finishing school. And I know Jason said that the stats kind of lied a little bit and the at-bats looked a little bit better than the numbers showed in the Florida State League. But he must have went backwards again in the AFL because I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I know that's too much to put into the sample at the AFL, but it's the AFL sample is already reaffirming thoughts I had previously, so that's not good for me. Yeah, right. Esteban Florial holds a special place in my heart only because he was a prospect <laughs> I picked up on the morning of my wedding day. <laughs> there you go. For some there reason, I, blessed. I can't get rid of him for my team, man. No, you know what? I just want to add real quick to what Matt said. So I, I'm not giving up hope, uh, particularly yeah, because... He has, uh, is an, I'm in an OBP league, and he he can kind of redeem himself a little bit in there, yeah. thanks to his walk rate. But I will cede that uh, while I do think if if all his tools hit, he's a top five prospect in baseball. I'm 
significantly less optimistic now than I was in April about him reaching a ceiling uh, of what he can be. So I'm not sure what he's going to turn out to be, and there's still some serious questions about the hit tool. That, that Somehow we're still going into 2019 with so many question marks I that he left unanswered, primarily because of that handmade bone injury. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. I, you know, I, I'm not off of Matt. I know you're not either, but I do yeah. agree his stock is significantly down. But it does present a buying opportunity. If it's really cheap in a dynasty, it's a high risk, high reward. So, you know, to do. To sum it up, I still think he's a top 100 guy, but he's probably going to be in the 75 ish range for me, which is considerably lower than most people have him. Just because the upside is still what you said, but a lot of risk. Mm. Yeah, I concur. I'm going to go with that. I agree. You know what's funny? I don't think I actually have a hitter on this list that, that I feel is uh, incorrectly ranked or shouldn't be a top 100 yeah. guy. I mean, because you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with some of the guys that you already mentioned. But the one that sticks out for me, and the other thing is I, I feel bad. Is This is maybe soft, but I, I don't like to trash any prospects that I haven't seen at least a couple of times. Um, and I feel like if I've seen a, a pitcher once and I've gotten a good sample of him and I really took in, like, his bullpen and everything, then I can trash him. Alex Fado is one of those guys. I was probably more disappointed in Alex Fado um, than any other prospect I've ever watched. Uh, I just hated the mechanics. Uh, he doesn't extend well. Um, he's got funky arm action. He almost has a hitch in his arm action. He's really upright with his plant leg. So I can see why he's had all these knee injury injuries because of like the way his lower half is used. Um, he throws strikes, but there's not a lot of bite on that slider. I don't. I, Jason said the same thing, and I agree. I, I I didn't see a lot of bite on that slider. I did not think it was a plus pitch. Um, he got beat up by a uh, 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 a New Hampshire lineup that lacked Vlad Guerrero. It was when Guerrero was on the DL before he came back for a couple of weeks and got promoted to AAA. So it was like Bo Bichette and like Kevin Biggio, like Harold Ramirez, and those guys like teed off of him in like three innings and a third. He had like one good inning, and as soon as, soon as he got in a little bit of trouble, um, it seemed like he sort of forced stuff, especially when he got behind in the count, forced stuff over the plate. So I'm not a big Alex Fado guy. Do I think he could turn into a, a good pitcher? Do I, do I think that... There were some building blocks there. We saw what this guy did. He had a historic NCAA career, of course. Um, won a, you know, won a national championship. Was a hero, obviously, in that series. But I don't think he's a top 100 guy. You know, when 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 you're when you're you know looking at all these arms that are in the minor leagues, all these guys that have pedigree, I, 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 he's a hard sell for me as an absolute top 100 guy. So he's the guy I'm going to say in this list that I'm. Uh, probably feeling is, is, is the most overrated. What are your uh, thoughts? I'm, yeah, I'm with you. And there, and there was the whole, I remember uh, Jason Waddell getting <laughs> fed up with some of the people, Tiger's, Tiger's Twitter, I think questioning his speed, cause, uh, his velocity, because it was, it was supposed to be, what was it, like higher than what, it was, than, than what he was actually uh, pitching? He was, oh, yeah. he was like in the low 90s, but people were saying, no, 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 he's more of a mid-90s guy. So it, it was, there was this, this disconnect from what he was yeah. to what he thought was to be, what people thought he would be. Yeah, because he was popping 97 in, like, the College World Series. So everybody thought that's what he was throwing. I don't know how hot that gun was, but that day I think the hottest, I think the highest 
velocity fastball he threw was maybe 92. It was mostly yeah. like 90-91 with some 89s and some 88s mixed in, and he threw like three innings. It was ugly. And it, it was really and ugly. It's lighter, it's lighter, it, it's, it can still be good, but I feel like the, it, it's the velocity separation with a slider and his fastball, because his fastball lost a few it, ticks, it, it, it hurts him. It diminishes it. It's sweet. It's like sweepy break and not not too plain break with some bite. Like it doesn't have a lot of bite to it. It's it's very flat. You know. Um. I don't know. I I I wish there was a little bit a little bit more drop on it and and there isn't. And He's I didn't see much of a two change. Knee surgeries. Well, that's the thing, and I'm not shocked because yeah. if you watch like the slow mo video yeah, that I put up on Twitter, delivery, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I because I, yeah. I took in the bullpen, I slow mo that and and. Uh, yeah, I mean it's amazing how how upright he is in his knee. That I'm I'm not shocked because all of his all of his weight is on his plant plant leg, and it's not a very athletic uh, motion. He's got kind of a funky body too. He's got like a Pete Davidson kind of a body. Does he have those? <laughs> does he have those eyes that are sunk into his head? Does he have butthole eyes? We can <laughs> yeah. say butthole eyes in this all podcast. Right. It's, yeah, it's right. okay to say Pete Davidson butthole eyes. <laughs> I just wanted to say it out loud. I didn't want to get defamation suit, but you'll take the blunt of it. So I, 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 you know, if we're famous enough to get a defamation suit, then we're doing this all wrong. Okay, yeah, um, that's true. That's going to be our barometer. Every every single podcast, will I'll say something that will get us sued for defamation, and when it finally happens, that's when we know we got a lawyer up. We made it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Any of right. you guys are lawyers out there, uh, slide into our DMs. You hey, my wife, my wife's a lawyer. I got yeah, to guys. And, and my we're father's covered. a lawyer, so we got a we're couple. Covered, we, got a t- we got a legal team. We got a dream team. <laughs> uh, Eddie, who is, your, uh, who is your pitcher on this list? Did you have a pitcher? Or you doubled up on hitters, didn't you? That's yeah, fine. Yeah. You can go back. You could be the hitter for my pitcher, so who's your hitter? Uh, for me, it's Daz Cameron. Uh, and, I, and I think, uh, so again, we're talking about guys that, you know, maybe we're just a little, little bit lower on than the consensus. It's, for me, it's just it's a matter of not knowing what the hell this guy really is. In my book, is he is he more of a is he more of a power threat uh, with with a good amount of speed? Is he more of a light, you know, no power but some speed? What's the approach? Is it the ten percent we've seen this year? Is it more the six to seven percent from years past? So, I'm thinking the the best case scenario for me right now might well let me let me take the best it's not, it's not the best case scenario the most likely scenario that I see Daz Cameron taking is a uh, kind of a Cameron Maben type of career path here where not not the ten not the forty steal Cameron Maben but more like the the eight homer thirty steal type of player with a decent walk rate uh, still strikes out a little bit too much for for my for my taste. I'm just unsure how that profiles uh, because I think he can be worse than what I just described. And I know I know it's not much to go on in, in a sense, but it's, it's something about it. I don't know if it's just that he flew through the levels. I mean, he started the year in the Florida State League and finished with just a, a cup of coffee basically in, in AAA. Uh, so I don't know if it was just the over-aggressiveness. And, you know, during that in AA, he kind of turned up the heat with the power. But then he went back down. So it's just I, I'm I, I don't know where to put my finger on him right now. And, and that might be part of the reason why I just can't commit to him, you know. Uh but for me, I'm just kinda I am pumping the brakes on him because I just don't know what he is and I'm not sure I like what he might be. Yeah, no, I uh I I uh, I hear what you're saying. I like him a lot. I saw him in, in a a double header 
um, where we played center both games, and he's just awesome in the outfield. He's got good bat speed. The approach isn't awful, but I don't think he's going to be a superstar, though. I think he just might be like, he might just he might turn out to be Jackie Bradley Jr. That might be a good outcome for for Jazz Cameron, you know, and that's not and that's not a that's not a bad thing, you know, a guy that has sort of an average to below average at times um, offensive profile. He gets a little streaky. He's got some power. He's got speed, but neither of them is, is like a dominant skill, and he's just a really valuable outfielder, you know, that you want to have in the lineup every day. This guys like that have existed for a long time. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think Cameron's one of those guys. But but in fantasy, I agree. He's way overrated. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming at this from. You know, with, with the defense, oh, yeah. for sure. You know, for sure. I think that uh, he'll provide a lot of value there. And he, I don't think he'll be a, as good as uh, Jackie Bradley with the defense. But uh, you're right. You know, that's actually a pretty good comp on the, on uh, from the plate. With with Emily uh, Walden on the show last week as our guest, we've now discussed Daz Cameron way more times than I think we did the entirety of the 2018 season. That's not true, but it feels it. Uh, Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you here. Who is your pitcher that you feel is overrated by the uh, hateful mainstream media? Well, to stay, top- <laughs> to stay topical, it's uh, going to be the newly acquired by the Mariners, Justice Sheffield. Um, I don't understand. It feels I mean, strange to say that. We didn't even talk about that at the top of the show. We'll, we'll right. save it for another week. But it feels weird to say that. But go go on about justice. I with Sheffield, I see a, I see a lefty with you know a, a, an average fastball. A slider's above average. I don't like to change as much as everyone else does. Um, I the, the trade to the Mariners will definitely help. His fantasy value in the short term, I think, not, but not in the way you think. Um, he, he actually might get a little. He might have to. They might play the service time game with him for a while now. Well, the Mariners could just because that if they're starting this complete rebuild, I don't see him getting as early as a shot with the Yankees because the Yankees don't really care about that as much as I would think Seattle does. Um, but and also. It's going to work out a little bit better, though, for him with Seattle because when he does get up, I think they're going to let him develop in the major leagues. Did you just apply, did you just apply logic to decision-making made by Jerry DePoto? Well, yeah, Jerry DePoto's under, yeah, I did. Um, Who knows? But the thing that could happen. I don't think Sheffield – I don't know. I'm I'm in the minority here. I was a bit floored. Though. I mean, these are just these are just I reports. Be, I just wanted to be a jerk about the. Point. No, you're good. These these are just reports that we heard. But like they they asked for the Astros for Forrest Whitley, they got rebuffed and went immediately to Yankees. For that's like that's like what? That's like trying to go out for steak and driving and going through the drive through at McDonald's because you can't figure out where you want to go. Like that's there's like no, those those two are not in the same wavelength for me. And I I, I does. Not to bag on other companies' products, but Sheffield must or the Depoto must not have many stats or many scouts that are traveling around the East Coast. He must just rely on what he reads from certain websites and makes his decisions off of that. As my so my assumption, I'm not a Sheffield guy. I'll go down on that ship. I will sink to the bottom of the ocean on the fact that I don't think Sheffield is anything. I think he's a number three, number four. Um, I'm just not a fan. 
you you went it, you be you went like full Melville on 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 your hatred. Yeah, <laughs> you were like you were like you were Captain Ahab. I'm going down to the bottom of the you ocean with the my ocean. hatred for for Justice Sheffield. You can tell that it, it's getting late. Yeah, um, I, I'm just not. A, I don't. Am I, nice. I, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I'm I'm no, guaranteed I, I'm more I than you guys, right. but I, I think don't. I think you're right. I. I it's weird because I, I flip-flop on Justice Sheffield because I saw two really good Justice Sheffield starts this year in Pawtucket. And it was I haven't seen him in person. I want the caveat of that. He I have not seen him in person. Awesome. None of his stuff was straight. He was throwing strikes. He had some attitude. But it was against the Pawtucket Red Sox. And, I mean, like, their best hitter at that point in time was, like, Rosny Castillo. So, you know, right. it's all kind of relative. I'd like to see how the stuff plays over the course of – a few months at the major league level. It wouldn't shock me if it played in short spurts. It also wouldn't shock me if he was all jacked up, kind of didn't have his, his wits about him, and, you know, was just throwing meatballs up there or couldn't find the, the, the plate. Like, uh, I, he's inconsistent. He's certainly inconsistent with command and control, which doesn't work in the major leagues, and you're going to get exploited with that, especially if you then try to find the plate when you get behind. So I, I, I understand... Yeah, to an extent. I think that the changeup is pretty good. And I, my understanding, he's got a couple variations of that fastball. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got the kind of stuff that I can see it working out. But I just don't think he's fully baked yet. And, and whether he gets there, the command control thing is always the last thing that comes. You know, can he spot it? So that's right. an interesting pick. Uh guy I'm going to throw out here is somebody, I guess, it's going to be my, my in-spirit Lance pick. That's Ryan Weathers. I'm shocked with all the arms that are out here and all the players from this draft. They went with Ryan Weathers. It was just like it was like MLB, like uh, pipeline just went off the fact that he made it to the Midwest League and he was drafted so early. What's the upside here? I mean, he could be a very, very good starter pitcher. He's not a bad prospect. I just don't see a lot of upside here. I'm not real excited, you know, from what we saw mechanically in his starts. I thought he was kind of messy, similar to, to Fado. I don't think that he uh, extends all that well. He all. No. He's really, really upright, um, and the stuff didn't seem to uh, have a ton of spin. So I was a little shocked. I mean, maybe he gets there. He's raw. I can understand the appreciation. But, like, you had Ryan Weathers, like, 20 spots after, like, Louis, Louis Patino, uh, who is an absolute, like, machine right now. So I... I don't. I don't know how. Uh, Maybe he I gets the legacy him. bump. Maybe it's the Blue Jays front office member. You think, you think it's what it is? You know, he got the, the legacy, legacy bump. bump. They're yeah. already factoring in the Petco bump already. You know, they think he's going right. to move like two levels a year. So by the end of 2020, he should be in the majors. And you didn't even know. mention it. He's got body concerns too. He's kind of. Thicker oh my god! I don't like the body shame. I don't like the body. I don't shame. either because I can body <laughs> shame all day. But... I body shame all the time. I call it for Christ's sakes. I I, I mockingly called. Uh, Dan Vogelbach, while he was still interesting, the jelly donut of SWAT for like a year and a half. I, mean, I, I body shame with the best of them, baby. Can but you also know? body pro- give props about Tyler O'Neill, so you go both yes, ways. Well, well, that's because his body makes me hot and heavy <laughs> in, the, in, the other, in the other carriage, but that's a total di- different story. You know what? We've probably been on air for like five hours now, so I want to wrap this up and uh, kind of just go through really, really quick hits. Two guys that are off this list. So I guess outside the top 100, these are kind of a little bit of your relevant sleepers. I'm going to start it off with a couple of names that are off this list. 
Um, one being Taylor Hearn, who was added to the 40-man roster for the Rangers. Uh, he was the return in – what the heck deal did they make with the Rangers? Is that the uh, uh, Keller deal? Keller. Keller deal. Uh, he was the return in the Keller deal. I think he's awesome. I saw him pitch this year. Uh, he's really just a two-pitch guy um, with a slider and his fastball, but he ramps that fastball up hard. I could see him becoming like a legit pen ace, like a nasty pen arm. Lefty, big stuff. I like his mechanics. The changeup is pretty whack, but you know he's got two good pitches. I think that he could be relevant in an MLB bullpen from like Jump Street. So I'm going to throw him out here. The other guy is uh, Luter Ngifo, who had a breakthrough year last year. He gets on base a little bit, plays a few uh, positions in the infield. He can run, and I'm not like overwhelmed by the guys that are on the 40-man roster and then our middle infield uh, options. They they have Zach Cozart. We'll see how he returns from the injury. The other option is David Fletcher there. I know you know Simmons is obviously penciled in at shortstop, but I think there's some opportunity for Rangifo to potentially get some playing time. He, he's kind of got like an interesting leadoff profile, and I think he's off some people's radars. Runs enough to be interesting, maybe hits for enough average. Um, not going to be huge, huge impact, but maybe like a deeper league guy, uh, or a fringe guy, and as we said early in the show, speed is at a premium. So, Eddie, I'm going to kick it over to you. Who are your two guys that uh, you feel that are off this top 100 list that will have impact in 2019? All right, so, I mean, so you know, it's, it's a narrow list off the top 100, but 29 impact, 2019 impact, so, you know, you're not going to get superstars here, I think. No. But for me, the one guy that I, that I think can legitimately provide some sort of value next year is uh, Cole Tucker. Uh, shortstop with the uh, with the Pirates. For me, again, I'm all about the speed, baby. So you know, last year he stole for, uh, 47 bases. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, 2017, 47 bases. 2018, 35 stolen bases. So he could be someone that can come up, play the middle of the infield, and if I'm not mistaken, he'd be he essentially take over Jordy Mer- Jordy Mercer's spot. And so yeah, that's, what what's he stopping you there, right? So I, I get it. You know, he uh, Cole Tucker hasn't hit Triple A yet. But he's done well enough Kramer. in AAA that he should uh, come up, spend some time in AAA for a month, month and a half, and then come up and then give you that speed that I that should be able to help you. He's a nice sleeper pick in, in drops and hold leagues if you if you're into those. For me, he's one guy that I that I'd be targeting just because of the position of eligibility and because of the speed he, he brings into the game. Second guy for me would be Griffin Canning out of the Angels. He's a he was a very fast mover last year. Um, to me, it's more of thinking about the team context. The Angels somehow always have uh, injuries, uh, destroying their rotation. So here's someone who has a few average pitches, fastball, slider, curve, has some sort of, you know, a sort of semblance of command of them, uh, has the upside of a strikeout inning with uh, league average walk rates. So if you can put that in Angels Park, you should be able to find a way to contribute some innings with them and therefore contribute something for your team. More of a sort of like a, a, a streamer off your bench, playing for the good matchups. You're not going to start him out there every day unless he unless he proves that he's more than what he really is. But you know, we generally don't expect him to be that good. But uh, Griffin Canning, he should see some innings this year. Uh, so look out for him. Uh, you should be able to extract some value for dirt cheap right now. Nice. Good picks. Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you. Blow my mind. Who are your two picks right, you think should yeah. have some 2019 value? Two guys that are worth investing in in deeper formats or both AL-only guys. Uh, number one guy, we drew rave reviews in Arizona, and it was Yu Chang. Uh, might be playing some third base, and depending on Cleveland's offseason goes, I think they might 
some whispers of a rebuild or so. So Chang should get plenty of opportunity. JP drew rave reviews on the glove. Uh, I think he's a 20 power, 20 home run power guy at third. Um, potentially more with every day at bats. Uh, so Yu Chang, I think, could either be a utility guy or he could be their everyday third baseman. And then another guy I think gets overlooked. Uh, he's a little bit of OBP power guy, so he might be up at his alley. Well, not quite the speed, but OBP. Kristen Stewart for Detroit. Um, one of my favorite things to do in fantasy, one of the things that a smart, savvy fantasy owner will do preseason is you look at teams that are non-competitive with prospects like Stewart, who is probably a fringe top 100 guy on some list, depending on where you look. Probably definitely a 150 guy. Um, and he's, got a, he's going to have a long leash uh, because he's got Detroit playing for less than nothing next year. Uh, if they don't have a top three pick in the 20, what, 2020 draft, something went terribly wrong for them, I think, and how they're trying to do this. And why not give Stewart all the at-bats he can handle? Um, he's not a high upside guy, so they're not going to be worried about service time game with Stewart. Uh, might just be a platoon bat, but he's a plat- but he might be a little bit more. And if he gets enough playing time, he's an easy 30 home runs because he's got all that yeah, power. That, that's uh, so. Uh, you made you so you you made your picks on on this uh, on this after I did, man. When I saw that, I'm like, damn! Like, how did I not think of Kristen Stewart? Because I, you're right, yeah, I, I, I like Stewart a lot, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't think they're going to platoon him because, like you said, they have they no, no reason. To, yeah, yeah, they have no reason. So he should be their everyday left fielder next year. Uh, hopefully, put up 11 and 12 percent walk rate. Uh, keep the strikeouts. Hopefully, uh, you know, under 23 percent. You know, if we cross mm-hmm. our fingers. But you're right. Uh, 30 home runs is legitimately within reach, and I don't Didn't see Daniel why Paul could hit 30 home runs. I mean, come on. <laughs> Close to it, and he's not just a, a, a deep league flyer. I, I think if you're in, at the very end of, of like even like a 14 team league, uh, that's a guy you pop who can return, yeah. you know, some returns pretty fast. Especially when we know what we know now about, you know, maybe the dimensions of the ballpark there uh, in Detroit aren't great. But it's one of the better hitting ballparks in the major leagues, whether it's the hitter's backdrop, whatever it is, but, you know, the exit velos are really high there. And uh, historically, the numbers have been really, really good uh, for hitters in that ballpark. So uh, I think that should only boost his profile, too. And I think it's funny. We always talk about it with Rockies hitters. We should be talking about it with any of these Tigers hitters. They just haven't had a lot of interesting power hitters come up from their system in, like, forever. So uh, Three straight years of 24 or more homers. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think up until this year he had led every single league that he yep, had played in. That's a fact. I'm in that up last uh, year. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive. Uh, as yep. long as he led the Eastern League when he was with Erie, that would be the case. And usually, anybody in the 20s has a has a chance yeah, to lead a, the Eastern tough league. league. Tough league for power. Yep. So there we go. I think we ran through the whole show there. I don't know what the timing was on this. It was at least like an hour and 20 minutes, but whatever. Great to have you guys on. I think we touched on a lot of stuff, talked a ton of prospects here. Hopefully this was helpful, uh, and you guys will probably be in the rotation as guests coming up. And uh, you can always catch us on Prospects Live. All the writing is over there. Eddie's been hard at work. He's put a ton of stuff out there, some strategy stuff. I know we got your your top your first top 30 coming with the Marlins soon. Um, Matt. You've been killing it with your uh, your top 30s, and of course, uh, you've been doing all your trade write-ups. So any of the trades that happened up uh, to the 40-man cutoff date, essentially, uh, mm-hmm. Matt wrote up, I think, three or four of those. 
Thanks for doing that. Eddie, Eddie did the Justice these, Sheffield deal. I was going to say, uh, and, uh, and, and Eddie did the the, the uh, Justice Sheffield deal as well as, yeah, the, the James Paxton write-up too. So I think that's really the James Paxton deal, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a prospect podcast. Uh, so it's, it's a prospect podcast. I get it. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we have our system scrum. You can catch that over on the Prospects Live uh, feed on iTunes. Of course, this is the Rasball Prospects podcast, powered by Prospects Live, sponsored by Rotoware. Rotoware.com at Rotoware. Check them out on Twitter. Buy a Prospects Live T-shirt. I just ordered about seven for my. Got family. a Black Friday sale going on this week. I I actually got seven Rotoware shirts today. I'm not lying. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Another great week. When it comes to convenient and customizable control, Corteva AgriScience's proven cereal herbicides hit the bullseye. Yeah, like that. There are options with distinct chemistries, multiple modes of action, rotational flexibility, plus dependable agronomic support and more. Oh, nice shot. To find which cereal herbicide hits the mark for you, visit cerealherbicides.corteva.us. Okay, you can stop shooting arrows at me now. Commercial's over. Hey, that one almost hit me. At JCPenney's Memorial Day Sale, sizzling deals are on with store-wide doorbusters all weekend. Or bring home savings up to 50% during our Memorial Day home sale. Save even more with your coupon. And for all former and active military personnel, enjoy an extra 10% off in-store. Just show a valid military or VA ID at checkout. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon valid on select styles through 530. Some exclusions apply. Doorbusters valid 526 through 530 and excluded from coupons. See store or jcp.com for details.